Welcome to Aligned Attraction, the go-to intimacy podcast for powerful women. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Lee Noto, master intimacy coach and psychedelic therapist, and I help powerful women like you unleash your wild feminine power so you can create heart-throbbing love. Each week, you'll hear from me and other experts on love, sex, and relationships, and I'll also coach women like you to create the most delicious transformation in their love lives. You ready? Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Way of the High Priestess. I am so excited to have Kelly on the show today, and I'm going to introduce her in just a second, but we're going to go in so many juicy directions today, particularly around sexuality and spirituality, and this has been a conversation that's been a long time coming, given that we have many mutual friends here. So Kelly, welcome to the show. I'm so, so happy to have you here, and Kelly is the host of The Kelly Show, the juicy intersection of spiritual and sexual liberation. And she helps women break free of a lineage of toxic lies and rules. And in the end, I will share all of her handles so you can go and follow her because she puts out amazing, amazing content. So my dear, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be with you, Lee. This is so special. Like Likewise. Okay. So one of my things is just to jump right in. So let's just get into the juicy stuff. This intersection of sexuality and spirituality, which for many people seem like paradoxical opposites, like spirituality seems pious, sexuality for so many we've conditioned is dirty, wrong, et cetera, et cetera. So tell me about this intersection of sexuality and spirituality and how this has impacted your path and the work that you do? Yeah. I mean, I, I love this question because I felt the same way. I never saw them as overlapping in any way until I was kind of in the moment where I realized that for me, everything had merged to allow me to become the woman I am now. And when I think of sexual and spiritual liberation, I think of freedom. I think of clear channels. I think of embodiment. I think of trust and knowing and coming back to this like feminine womb space of being with ourselves. And I feel that in both sides. So I, I don't feel like you can really have one without the other. I think that they go in waves where maybe you're more into a spiritual space and that's your practice. And maybe you're more into a sexual revolution or excavation. And you're really diving deep into what that feels like for you. But I feel that they really coincide and work together to allow us to be the most fully expressed, expressed versions of ourselves. And also the most tapped in rooted into mother earth, into the universe, into that knowing. And I think that they work so beautifully together. And I, I think that so much of what I had done was in spirituality to start because sexuality wasn't a topic for me. And so that felt like a great way to kind of dip my toes in. 
But as I reflect back, you know, three years later, I look back and so much of it was about a sexual revolution for me and really coming to terms with what I wanted and who I was and how I had been chained down and looked upon as just, you know, what felt like a piece of me working in television as a TV host and working with mostly men in sports. And I was just sort of that person. And so the way I viewed myself as a sexual being, as a sexual woman, really was the catalyst for so much of my life. And as I became more embodied, as I became more true to myself, as I learned to trust myself, that exploration and, and all of that knowing came forward, which then allowed my spirituality and that practice to just blow open. Yes. Yes. Oh, I hear that so much. Okay. So, and I don't want to make a generalization, but I'd love to ask, was there something pivotal on your journey, especially as it relates to sexuality, like, was there a singular moment that lets you know, like, oh my gosh, there's an intersection here? Or was there a particular struggle or idea that you had around your sexuality that then was flipped on its head to allow you to embody the space that you embody today? Mm -hmm. I was in an ayahuasca ceremony and I went to my soul home and I was in feminine energy. And I realized that that is where my attraction to women came from. So I realized that I am bisexual or curious about women, however you want to phrase it. And when I went into that ceremony, my intention was to show me where this comes from so that I better understand it. And I, I mean, as you know, in plant medicine, it always takes a turn. You don't expect you get an answer in the most convoluted way. And so I went in this whole convoluted route to get to my soul home and I was surrounded in feminine energy. And what that showed me is that you are sexually attracted to other women because you are one. And I had always separated myself from women. And I had, you know, as most of us do, the bullying as young girls and feeling the comparison game and I'm not good enough. And so I never felt that connection. And then when I was in that ceremony, it was like we all came together and felt as one. And I realized that it's not about sexuality. It's not about spirituality. It's about oneness. And that is how the two collided for me. And I felt this deep, deep knowing of the reason I feel so connected to other women, the reason I feel like I see myself when I look into another woman, a woman's eyes, her body, when I'm connecting to her is because we are the same. And so it's a, it's a deeper exploration of ourselves in being with that feminine energy. And so it, it all sort of started to make sense to me from that moment. Wow. I got chills so many times in there. And it was that bit around seeing someone else in ourselves or seeing ourselves in someone else and experiencing oneness, which is for most people, not a day-to-day -day experience. There is this idea of personal identity, separation between you and I, or me and someone else. So to have that kind of experience is profound, like truly profound. What a gift. And I'm preaching to the choir. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Something came up for me and earlier today, I was actually 
just in the space of knowing that we were going to be recording today. And I had this feeling come through me and I can't quite put my finger on, on what it is, but there's something that I want to go into around feeling. You said the word knowing that you had a knowing and I'm going completely off the cuff right now, but tell me more about this like idea. What is it like to truly know something or to truly feel something in your experience and in the work you do around sexuality and spirituality, because so many of us have such a strength in our intellect, such a strength in sort of masculine, analytical, logical energy. And there is something else that comes with feminine energy. There is a knowing and intuition, and that's so woven into our sexual energy. And I'm getting chills as I say it. Go wherever you want with this question. I'm just getting an intuitive hit and go for it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that. Feeling is such a huge thing for me. And something that when I first started exploring what it means to be attracted to other women, my boyfriend, I would have all these panic attacks because I was so overwhelmed with these feelings I was having. Like, this is very foreign. I don't know what to do with these things. I feel like the voice is telling me I'm wrong. I'm bad. I'm gross. People are going to judge you. You're going to disappoint your parents. And that was my constant narrative. And so one day when I was in the middle of this, he said, Kelly, you get to feel the way you want to feel now. And that changed my world because I never let myself feel the way I wanted to feel because I was so stuck in judgment of it and so scared of what other people would say. If you lean into your desires, if you really allow yourself to feel the way you want to feel, what is going to happen? And for me, that was this unknown wild world that I had never embarked on, right? It was this crazy place that Kelly Tennant would never go because I was the good girl who did all the right things and I managed my feelings and I held my shit together and I was on TV when I was feeling horrible and no one would ever know it. And so I was really good at wearing a mask and not allowing myself to lean in. And so as you talk about feeling, it's feeling and knowing it's like you've been there before. That's the only way I can really describe it. When I, so I was telling you before that Connor and I are dating someone together. When I am with her, it's like I've done this before. It's the easiest, most beautiful, flowy thing I think I've ever been a part of. And it's it's like my body has been there. It's done it. It knows. There's this connection that I can't describe with words And it is so powerful. And what that brings forward for me is it's like allowing yourself to be that present in that flow to see and to feel that you've been there before, whether it's in a past life, in another dimension happening on the same timeline, whatever that is for you. It's like that knowing of owning the space and this is for me, this is mine, and I, I am safe here to feel this and to explore it further. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm so glad we went in that direction. I had no idea where it was going to go. <laughs> and the, the key thing that I'm really receiving from that, and I know that others will receive from that, which I want to underscore, is 
allowing ourselves to feel. So often we really, really pull back on that because we're afraid of what's going to happen. We're afraid of what we'll do next, or we're afraid of the power of our own thoughts or what we'll see if we admit that we have an attraction to women or that we don't love our partner anymore or whatever the thought or the feeling could be. And there's something so magnificent that happens so liberating and freeing and opening when we allow ourselves to feel. And I'm, you know, it sounds as if we, we may be in the, we might be in the same boat here, but correct me if not, that prior to really gaining familiarity with that feeling place, there was a fear around what would, what would appear, what would be there? Like, what if I realized I was attracted to women because I grew up as the good girl or whatever identity we had about ourselves, this really sort of enmeshed identity. Um, And there's something that's so powerful. So I'd love to hear your experience. So you were at this point and Connor comes in is like, babe, you get to feel whatever you want to feel. What are you seeing as the difference? So pre that moment, now post that moment and you're in a relationship with your boyfriend and another woman, like that's such a pivotal moment in life. What was world the world for you like before? And what's the world like for you now as a result of giving yourself permission to feel? Yeah, there, there was about a year between that conversation and us starting to date this person. And I had to do a lot of coming to terms with things, grappling with things, asking myself hard questions, a really getting honest, radical honesty and taking responsibility for what it is that I wanted. And, you know, I think that it was a constant narrative of this is bad. This is wrong. You're gross. And I slowly had to kind of let it just keep running, but not give it my power anymore. And I think that's where over the last year I've gotten really, I won't say good because it's not good or bad, but I think I've had a, a positive experience in releasing old narratives and stories and understanding that they'll pop back in. But the thing that would make me freak out for a week or a month before now has a two minute lifespan. And it's like, oh, okay, we're doing that thing again. Oh yeah, right. I remember. Oh, I'm good. We don't have to do that anymore. Move on. And so now it feels like it's a willingness to see what's on the other side. It's, I talk about this a lot on my show. It's moving from what if to why not? Because I lived in a fear mindset of what if all the time. And I always had a backup plan and I was already always ready for the worst case scenario. And I always looked into the future of, okay, how can this go wrong? What do I need to be prepared for? And I have really moved into a why not? Well, why wouldn't I try that? Or what what's the worst thing that could happen? And why does that even matter? Or why don't I allow myself to feel this? Why not? Like just why not? And when I come from a why not, I'm so much more abundant. I'm so much more open. I'm not worried about things that are happening. And I had that conversation with myself a couple of weeks ago because I was kind of freaking out about some boundaries we were pushing and like going to this next level and dating someone, which I can't believe I'm saying. And, (laughs) and I had this conversation with myself 
And I said, well, what if I just didn't worry? Whoa, like what a concept, right? But that's where we go is just this constant state of worry. So I was like, so if I don't worry, then what happens? Oh, then I get to have fun and be present and let things happen the way they're meant to happen. Because some of my biggest fears around doing this whole thing with him is, well, what if he leaves me? Or what if he falls in love with her? What if something goes really wrong? Or, you know, name the list of insecurities you could possibly have in this scenario. And I have or have that have had or have them now. Right. And so I thought, well, if I let go of all of those, what's available to me, the most epic pleasure and experience I could have ever dreamed of. And that's what I get to have. And so Before that, I didn't know this thing existed. And now being in practice and letting go and surrendering and really sitting in those challenging moments and allowing myself to feel uncomfortable, I'm at a place where I can receive pleasure and be present and not constantly worry about things that have never happened before and probably won't because how often do our worst case scenarios actually happen? So. Yeah. I was just nodding my head. Yes. The entire time, (laughs) you know, something, I can't remember who this quotes from, but my partner says this all the time, but the quality of our life is determined by the quality of the questions that we ask. So if we're asking shitty questions, we're probably going to get shitty answers and that's the kind of life that we'll lead. But if we change the kinds of questions that we're asking about ourselves, about our lives, about what's possible, then imagine the kinds of answers that will appear for us. And the the feeling that I'm getting right now is that it's it's a complete shift in reality in in a number in a series of even over a year to not conceive of something as possible such that it doesn't even exist in your frame of reference to then it not only being possible, but it being a thing that you're actively creating and experiencing deep pleasure from is phenomenal. Yes. It's like so <laughs> fucking rad. <laughs> well, and I like that you bring that up because last year was a lot of sexual exploration for me, but it was also a lot of deep grief and trauma. So my mom passed away last year. Our puppy died in a tragic accident. And then I lost my relationship with my dad. And so. I think that, and I know that those things happened all simultaneously within one year so that I could really understand how you don't have control because all of those things are not things I could have ever guessed were going to happen, let alone in the same calendar year. And it really asked me to let the fuck go. Because the more I was holding on, the more I grasped to try and control and to keep things in check and make sure everything's okay and go, go, go and do, do, do. It's like, you can do all of that. And then look, all these things could happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was really setting me up for the freedom and the play and the joy and the pleasure that I experience now, because I was slapped in the face so hard over and over with the reminder of you do not have control. These things are going to happen. Allow it as horrible and as painful as it can be. Sometimes I believe everything happens for you. And I believe that it's in divine timing. And so if that is my truth, then I get to let go and take the lessons and move forward. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's, those are 
like major things to have happen in life, especially in the same calendar year. So thank you for sharing that. And I can tell that you've created a lot of, um, what am I looking for? A sense of ground and meaning and perspective amidst those experiences, because those can be earth shattering. And I'm sure they were. And the integration that I'm getting to experience in you right now is really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. (sighs) Okay. So you mentioned a few words and I'm curious to know if there's intersection here for you, but you mentioned a lot of grief and sadness. You've mentioned surrender, allowing uh, pain. So Where, if anywhere, in your sexual journey have those emotions come up? Because something that my partner and I are are exploring right now, after we just did this insane training last week, is how to really incorporate emotions into our sexual experience. How can we use sexuality as a gateway to experience our deepest grief and sadness or to experience the threshold between pleasure and pain or to really ground into what it's like to feel shame or humiliation and to be in a safe container where we can feel that in a way that we get to explore this emotional state of being very deeply. Mm -hmm. So again, not sure where this answer will go, but I'm curious, what has been your exploration with exploring, you know, things outside of conventional sexuality. Yeah. Well, and I think when we talk about grief and that level of sadness, something that my therapist and I have talked about quite a bit over the last year is you don't get to experience the epic levels of joy and pleasure without the really, really difficult moments of pain and sadness. And I think that the last year has me has been me opening up to such a dark, painful experience, because that is what it called for in order for me to be able to feel what I feel now, because I I did not allow, this goes back to feeling what you want to feel, right? I didn't allow myself to feel that wide range of emotions because I was constantly protecting myself from going too far either way. So I'm like, okay, cool. Let me just stay in these this little wall here and I'll be good. And I'm not going to expand out because that seems scary. And then I just was you know, pushed to the edge over and over again. I thought, okay, well, fuck it. Let's do it. You know? And so now I feel like that's where I get to feel that epic pleasure. Um, and I think even after our puppy was, um, he was hit by a car and it was horrible. And I mean, all the things you can imagine. Um, and if you're a dog mom, I know you're probably crying listening to me talk about this because it's your worst nightmare. And I remember that night or the next night, um, Connor and I had sex, but we were both crying and we weren't actually having sex. He was just inside of me and we just held each other. And it was like, we needed to be that close in order to grieve. And I've never experienced anything like that before. It was one of the most powerful, beautiful, raw moments of my entire life. And that showed me what is possible in sex. Because it's not about, oh, let's get off or let's have an orgasm or how wild can we be? It's the most 
beautiful, pure form of connection. And I've honestly never felt closer to him. And we've both never been more broken than that day. And in that as well, I think in us dating this person together, we'll all be laying there in bed after. And sometimes it's a little much for me. Right. And so then I'm explaining, okay, that like this thing that happened, no one did anything wrong, but it was a little much for me. Can we, you know, dial it back? And so there's tears sometimes, and there's insecurities that pop up and there's sadness because sometimes it's difficult to be in these scenarios. Sometimes it's a fantasy that you have in your head and then you live it out and you're like, yeah, no, doesn't need to happen in real life. And so you're experiencing a wide range of emotions and communicating it to people you really care about while also experiencing incredible amounts of pleasure. So I think that it, there's so much within that. It's what it shows me that is that there's, there's this vast array of options and feelings and experiences that you can have if you allow yourself to have them. And when we open ourselves up to new and different kinds of experiences, it will show you things that you wouldn't see in other ways. Kind of like we were talking about earlier, I think before we recorded people talking about why I want to be on my own so I can like work on myself and do these things. And yes, we both agree that that's awesome. And some things can only come up in certain scenarios. My insecurities that I have around certain things only come up because I'm in this dynamic. And I only get to feel that kind of grief in those experiences I had last year. I didn't really, I had never really experienced that level of grief before. I didn't know that that was possible. So I think these things come up to show us what's available to us on the spectrum of feeling and experience and how painfully beautiful it can be the entire time. Yes. Oh man, I have a tear and I've definitely cried there. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, I I resonate so much with the experience of keeping ourselves on this tiny limited space on the spectrum of emotion and like, you know, I'm going to make up a word, humanality. Like, you know, we're just here playing in the safe range of never too angry or sad, but, you know, on the flip coin, flip side of the coin, never too happy, never too much pleasure. And there's this safe, comfortable familiarity in here and there's so much outside of that range and what i'm what i'm getting from you is in allowing yourself to feel and to go there whether it feels like a progression that happens over time or there's an experience that hits you and it's like fuck it you're going to feel this right now there is this expansion of emotional capacity and it's like our our container our energetic container just gets bigger to accommodate and to allow us to feel and experience these kinds of like wild, I mean, we couldn't make it up if we tried, but these wild experiences that are the core of our, our human experience, because there's no other species that has this kind of emotional range, this kind of conscientiousness. So Wow. Um, okay. I love that too. And can I just add to what you said? Because I love that you brought this up and the way you said it was the too much piece. 
Because as women, it's not just we're being too much. We're not taught that we're just being too much by being too big and too loud and too vulnerable and too amazing. It's also, well, you're being too much by being too emotional and too sad and too this and too that. And so we can't fucking win. Like that's where we are for so much of our lives. And I think that's where I was. It's like, okay, well, if I do this, I can't win. If I do this, I can't win. So we're tiptoeing around our own damn lives. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so then how am I supposed to be? And it's this letting go of being too much because my container is so big now that there is no too much. Yes. Yeah. You mentioned a word. I can't remember if it was before we started recording, but you said revolution. Mm. And that word pops up for me again, because it's, it's almost like the moment when you realize it was like all a farce, all of the conditioning. (laughs) You're like, what the fuck? Like the moment when Oz gets the curtain pulled back on him and you realize he's a normal guy. He's not this almighty omnipotent force that can't be touched. Although, you know, we are all quite godly in our own ways. And it's like this, this like, holy shit this whole thing, all these things that I thought were true, all these things that I thought were my core identity. Fuck. Now what? Mm -hmm. So what was that? Okay. I'm going to just go in this direction for a moment, but did you, I mean, there are so many waves of awakening and seeing and realizing and tapping into knowing. Was there a moment or was it progressive over time where you were like, oh, that conditioning about being a good girl, not being too loud, not experiencing too much. I don't have to do that anymore. That's not actually who I am. I have that probably every day and I'm not exaggerating. I'm very committed to my growth. So there's that. So it's going to come up. I'm sure you often feel the same way. When you're, when you're willing to go there, it's just going to show up. And I'm the kind of person I'm, I've always been an overthinker and analytical. And so it definitely comes into play now often, but it's like, I will, I, I always have this bird's eye view of myself now. And maybe it's because of all the plant medicine I've done. So I can almost have this different perspective outside of my body, watching things as they're happening. And I see myself make decisions or I see myself react and I can immediately be like, old conditioning. Oh, that's where we learned that. Oh, right. We don't have to do that anymore. And I do that over and over again every day because I'm really curious about it. It's so interesting to me that we are taught these things that in all reality usually make no sense, but that we no longer have to identify with this. And this is something my therapist and I also talked about. Um, and she teaches from A Course in Miracles. And there's this whole section on um, false self-concepts. And it basically, we talked about this when I lost my relationship with my dad. She was like, you are in a space. And the reason this is so difficult for you right now is because you had the two pillars of your identity stripped away from you in one year. And so now you're going back through your entire life and questioning every single moment. Like, was that true? What was real? Who am I? How do I live without having parents who I find most of my identity through all of those things? And she read this passage to me and and basically at the end, it says, when everything has fallen apart, when there is nothing left for you to hold on to, yourself will be revealed to you. And I was like, oh yes. And that is why I feel like I know myself and see myself the way I do now versus before, because when my parents were around, 
And when I felt like I had quote unquote control, I had this idea of my identity and I held onto it so deeply. And now everything shattered to the floor. I got to start from scratch. And so I'm in this constant evolution of finding myself, but not searching and not forcing it, but allowing myself to be revealed to me. Yes. It's like the, uh, I think Michelangelo had talked about what it was like to carve the the statue of David. And it wasn't that he did anything in particular, it was that David was already inside the piece of marble and revealed oh. himself to, to Michelangelo. And that was what happened through this artistry was the, the one that was inside was ultimately revealed. Wow. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm hearing from you. And what I want to underline here is it's, it, it can often feel like such a scary, tumultuous mind fuck of a process to get to the point of the breaking point really. And I, I saw something the other day and it was like, really, when you're finding that deep love beyond our sort of modern conception of love, especially as it relates to romantic partnership, there is this massive breaking open that happens. You know, we have these like Hollywood ideas of what love is, you know, and there's this, there can be a very tumultuous breaking open and breaking down into the truth of who we are. And it's, it's a, a pretty, you know, mind blowing experience, but, you know, I want to come back to this idea of surrender allowing, because I'm sure as you were in these experiences, there was difficulty and challenge and you have some perspective now that maybe you didn't have then, but what is this, this breaking down or this breaking apart to find yourself? Like, you know, let me just leave it at that because I can, I could go on. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have this, um, when my mom died, I was whole, I was there with my brother and my dad when she passed away and we were all like touching her on the bed and, and there with her. And, and I was laying next to her, holding her. And for about 20 minutes, I couldn't let go of her. It was the most interesting experience I've ever had was I became a little kid again and I was latched onto my mom and I was just, you know, the kind of cry you have when your parent dies. And it was just so deep and heavy. And my brother had to come in and basically like pry me away from her. And I couldn't stand up straight. And I, I just kind of like waddled into the next room and I just couldn't even hold myself together. You just can't in those moments. And I went through that and then when our puppy died, I mean, we were both on the floor in the fetal position. I was throwing up. It was like horrible. And those are the extreme versions of breaking down. But I bring those forward because like, I think a lot of times we don't go there because we're so scared of what that's going to look like. And I'm, I'm sharing the two, basically the two worst moments of my life with your audience, because I want people to know that you're going to be okay that you can go there and you can allow yourself to feel and literally be on the floor 
completely feeling completely broken and shattered. And there is light on the other side. There is growth. There is life for you. And I felt remnants of that and lighter versions of that over the last three years as I've been on this awakening journey that we go on. And what I have learned is that I remind myself I'm going to be okay because I always am okay. Even in really difficult plant medicine ceremonies where you're like, oh shit, am I going to come out of this? Cause uh, I'm pretty sure we're gone. <laughs> and then you come out of it and you remember, oh, right. Cause we just do this thing for a little bit and we explore and we allow, and then we come out and we continue on in the integration. One of the best things I've ever heard is from a facilitator in a ayahuasca ceremony. He said, you know, it's all well and good that you come here and you sit with us and you do the thing, but the real ceremony is in life. The real ceremony is in the integration of your human experience with what you just had. And I think that's what you get is you get deep into the breakdown and you breathe and you remember your breath and you remind yourself that I am always okay. And I do have the tools and resources and wisdom to bring myself out of this. And for me, I've done what I feel is an amazing job of surrounding myself with support and asking for help and creating that energetic safe container so that I know I am held on that full spectrum of emotion, no matter what's happening. Yeah. Wow. Oh man. I feel like I just almost like woke up from the best nap to like the best dream to, to receive that. And it, you know, to echo what you said, like some really phenomenal parts of ourselves get revealed to us in life's wildest experiences, whether it's a challenge, an experience that we perceive as challenging or pleasurable or because it's all just experience happening. There's, I mean, our human perception of it makes it, you know, positive or negative, good or bad. And what we get to see, like, I would imagine that you were brought to some of your deepest places. Like, Like, did you even know that existed in you before this experience showed you to yourself, to this part of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's really incredible that, you know, we have so many opportunities in life to see those parts of ourselves, whether it seems like, you know, something that happens that's pretty mundane on the day to day or a major experience or a plant medicine ceremony. Um, it's just really incredible to get to weave through our human experience in that way should we choose to view it like that? Certainly people can view it any way they want. And for me, this feels like a very empowering way to walk through life. Yeah, I feel that. I think that for so much of my life, I was the victim. I played that victim role really well. And I was taught that by my parents that, you know, the world was against me and they didn't like me and they're jealous of me and just kept playing that narrative over and over. And over the last couple of years, especially since I've met Connor, um, I have felt this desire to take responsibility for myself and for my life and for my experience. And I remember early on when we were dating and he said something like, 
you can take ownership over your orgasms. And I'm like, what in the hell does that mean? And it can mean a lot of things for different people, depending on what your experience is. But I was always kind of like sitting back and waiting for someone to make something happen for me. And I didn't realize that you could like jump on top and play with yourself while your boyfriend's inside of you and like have the best time ever, you know, or that I could be in a self-pleasure practice and take care of myself and feel so embodied and so powerful and so sexy without anyone else there or knowing it was happening. Little things like that, where I just started to take responsibility and to own my experience allowed every part of my life to become more embodied. And so that I knew that if I could jump on top of him in bed and that was cool, then I could be more of a leader running my company, that I could speak up for myself and say what's on my mind without tiptoeing around everything in fear and being the victim of, oh, well, what's going to happen to me? It's like, no, I'm in the driver's seat of my own life. I'm in choice for this. This feels good and aligned to me. And so this is what I'm going to do moving forward. And it's such a drastic difference. But when we're taught to be victims for so long, we don't really know that there's anything else. Yeah. I love that you made the connection between jumping on top of Connor in bed and being a leader in your business, because you know how we do one thing is how we can do everything. Should we choose to make the connections between all of that, you know, leading the way, taking responsibility for your pleasure, taking responsibility for the results you create in your business, the impact that you send out into the world is amazing. So there's one, one more bit that I wanted to get to before we wrap up here, which is this idea of relationship. We've, you've talked and mentioned Connor and from everything that I can tell, he seems like an incredible person. Your relationship sounds phenomenal. Um, and I'm sure it's had many, many versions of itself. What have you seen in relationship, be it relationship to yourself in creating a self-pleasure practice, deepening into self-love, and in relationship with Connor that has been really pivotal on your journey to embodying the woman that you are now? Connor is the best and most important thing that has ever happened to me and for me. And he hates when I say that because he's like, I don't, I'm not responsible for you being this awesome. (laughs) And I'm so grateful that he responds with that. But Connor has, Connor is magical and is a fucking pain in my ass. (laughs) So let me just preface this with that. Um, he challenges me and drives me freaking nuts and thinks so differently than I do. And it is so difficult sometimes. And because of that, he is my greatest catalyst and greatest teacher. And he didn't save me, but he showed me myself. And he asked me the questions and he stayed quiet when it was my time to explore. And he has challenged me and he has shown me the world through different lenses and a different perspective than I had ever had. I mean, he, he blew me open and I give myself so much credit for being curious and taking responsibility and being in action and all of these things. 
And at the same time, I just, I look at who he is and the way he has held space for me and the way he has held me in the worst moments of our lives. And also just allowed me to expand and told me like, take up all the space after an ayahuasca ceremony and just so present and powerful and supportive. And we were talking about this a little bit before of there's so many things that you can do on your own and explore by yourself and understand about yourself. And I am so grateful for times when I have been single and had time to figure out what I'm doing. And, you know, your twenties are such an interesting time of life. And I feel like all of that was leading me to be ready for this epic adventure with him where every deepest insecurity I had would come forward to be met and to be felt with love and compassion and grace and moved through to go to that next phase and that next version of myself and to see what's possible. And, you know, I can't say that I, I know that I would have become this person no matter what, because I think that choosing him and choosing this life was a very conscious awareness that this is where I was meant to go and that this man would be holding the light and be sort of the gatekeeper to this next phase. So. (sighs) Taking a deep breath to that one. I'm over here definitely crying with you because I can just feel as soon as you started, just emotion came through and it was so beautiful. Oh, thank you for sharing your love with us. It's, there is, oh my God, I'm just going to take a moment because there's so much that happens beyond our, our intellectual conception of things when there's such deep love that exists, certainly between someone and their, and themselves, but there's something magical that happens when others get to experience the love between two people or three or more, but it's, that is such medicine and there's medicine in the pain in the ass moments and the being called out and the challenges and the conflict. I mean, there's medicine galore there, of course. And that's a part of what makes the love so profound is that it's not it's not always sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes it's fucking tsunamis and hurricanes and (laughs) blizzards, you know? And it's just, there's so much dynamism to profound love. It's every, it is the encapsulation of everything that exists. It is all of consciousness in a human experience, which I mean, I don't know, that seems pretty amazing to me. So, wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. It was, I got chills when I heard about it and I I'm getting to receive some of your and Connor's medicine. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for holding the space for me to share that. I've never talked about him in that way. I don't think. And that was, it felt really beautiful. Oh, I'm so glad. Yes. Oh, okay. This is awesome. (laughs) Thank you. So I feel like that's a really good place to just tie this love bow. Um, (laughs) 
where can listeners find you? What do you have going on right now? What's lighting you up? Like, tell us all the things. Yes. So you can find me at Kelly M. Tennant on Instagram and it's kellytennant.com. And right now, I don't know when this episode is coming out, but right now um, I just released a workshop that will be taking place on March 14th and it's called Unleash Your Goddess. And it's really just about like blowing your life the fuck open and allowing yourself to receive and be in pleasure um, in a sexual way to open up the rest of your life. Um, And so, so much of what we talked about of just that intersection of finding your spiritual practice and that opening through your sexual liberation. So I'm so excited to be leading that and and helping people come back to themselves and, and find that freedom. Oh, yes. Thank you for doing this work in the world. And, you know, I'll make a plug for you as well. In the short time of having, you know, gotten to be connected on Instagram and now getting to have this conversation, something that's so clear to me about you is your groundedness. There's There are many people in the world leading variations of this kind of work. And what typically doesn't resonate for me is when it seems ungrounded or sort of too in the air. There is <laughs> like a, a sense of grounding to how far out we can go as well. And I, I really do believe it's the integration of the two, you know, going there, traveling out into the cosmos and being here on earth in how, how we show up energetically, the kinds of ways in which we share the work, which allows it to be accessible or not to others. And the ways in which we walk the talk, in which we show up and we practice what we preach. And I I feel that so clearly from you. So thank you for sharing that. I'm really excited to check it out and to have those who are listening, check it out as well. Thank you, Kelly, for being on the show today, for opening your heart, for sharing yourself and for really going there. Thank you. Thank you for that reflection. It means so much to me. And I'm so grateful for this conversation. It was so beautiful. Mm, amazing. So for those listening, thank you so much for tuning in today. It's been a pleasure to have this conversation. You know where to find Kelly. I'll also put all of her stuff in the show notes so you can connect with her there. And as always, sending everybody much love and good vibes. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to the show and spread the love by sharing this episode out on social media and to all the powerful women in your life. And if you're ready to play full out and create heart-throbbing love, hop on over to my website to see all the juicy ways you can do just that www.leenoto.com. Fellow wild woman, I appreciate you. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love and all the good vibes.